Welcome to season six of the RAG podcast. Now, for those of you who don't know, the RAG stands for Recruitment Agency Growth. And this show has been around since early 2019. And every week, we are obsessed with finding out how the world's most successful and innovative recruitment agencies and their founders have got to where they are today. In season six, alongside the founder's story and the inside information of that business, I also want to focus on the reality of today's economy. There is so much noise about this inevitable recession that we find ourselves in right now. And where it's going to go, is it really having an impact on the recruitment sector? Are they seeing any change in job flow? Are they seeing any change in candidate control or activity? What is going on? I want to find out. So every single week, I want to forget the propaganda, forget the noise. I'm going to speak to a real life recruitment owner and find out what is going on in their business. I'll bring it to you every single Wednesday from 12 o'clock across multiple platforms. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast. On this week's show, I'm joined by Paul Samaroff. Paul is the founder of PS Capital, a specialist recruitment firm headquartered in Glasgow that exclusively operates within the oil and gas markets globally. These guys recruit people in literally remote locations all over the world, working on some of the newest projects across the energy sector. Now, why I wanted to interview Paul, the business is only three years old and he's got, I think he's got just under 20 staff at the moment. But what's really, really interesting is the story that Paul's been through in those last three years. So he founded the company in January 2020, just before the pandemic. And he did this in partnership with two guys that he didn't know. He was introduced by a rec to rec One of the guys had recruitment experience. One of the guys had cash. And together they created a, a business, a third, a third, a third, with Paul driving the everyday operations. Pretty quickly, Paul realized this was not the relationship that he'd or it, it didn't, it wasn't becoming the partnership that he planned. And so Paul went on a journey to make this work and try and get to a position where it would be profitable and everyone would be happy. Um, sadly, that didn't work out. And by the end of 2022, last year, Paul had to negotiate a way to either leave the business or buy out his partners. In this episode, Paul breaks down everything that he did, all the challenges, all the ways in which he thought and how he did it um, and how he's got to a positive outcome. I'm delighted for Paul that he's got to an outcome that he's happy with. And I'm super excited for people to listen to this, to learn the do's and don'ts of going into partnership with investors and, and anyone when launching a new entity. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Without further ado, Paul, welcome to the RAG podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Joining us from sunny Scotland, I believe, today. To be fair, Glasgow's pretty pretty sunny just now. I mean, it mm. was uh, thunderstorms and lightning last night, but today we're winning. Yeah, yeah, it's the same here. It's beautiful in sunny Sheffield. So it's uh, the north The north is winning. Um, mate, thanks so much for your time. Um, I've done you a little introduction there, but I can never, ever do it justice. So would you do me a favour and um, for the listeners' benefit, would you just reintroduce who you are now and what is past capital? Do not go into the past. We'll do all that in a minute. Just the bird's eye view of you in the business today. Okay, so uh, my name is obviously Paul Samaroff. I'm the founder and director at PAS Capital. Um, our journey at PAS Capital started 
the 2nd of January 2020. So we're yeah. currently in year four. Mm -hmm. Our the kind of main business that we do, I would say, would be international recruitment, focusing on oil and gas or the energy space. Mm -hmm. um, literally placing personnel around the world, I don't know, maybe 30 plus countries. Um, a big emphasis on taking you, you know, UK guys over abroad to take the expats across. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, we're on a we're on a big growth plan this year. We've uh, how many people have you got now? Currently eighteen. Right. And the plan is, as you know, it's very difficult to find good caliber in this day and age. But we are aggressively out there looking, as are a lot of other recruitment companies. Um, but yeah, I think if we can get to 25, 30 this year would be would be would be excellent, uh, with the view of international offices in the in the next coming year. Hopefully. Wow. I love it. You're the second Glaswegian I've had on in the in about four weeks. So um, you know, maybe I'm I'm appealing to the north of the border audience for the first time. Eh? Um I think you're appealing to everyone, Sean. Well, that's the plan. That's what I want to do. You can't, you can't have it all, can you? You can't have everything. Um, but Paul, so if we go back, I know you were uh, originally a professional footballer. We spoke about this. Your career, your first career. Um, did you get it? When? What age did you leave football and and become a recruiter? And how did that happen? Yeah, as I said, Chishon, it's very important to say a failed professional footballer. <laughs> very important. So, I think uh, if you made it to being a professional, you've. You've, you've ticked most kids' dreams, right? To be paid yeah. as your career to be a footballer. I mean, whether you become Kevin De Bruyne or not, you still become a professional footballer. I never made it. You've done it. Well done. Well, no, I appreciate it. So I, I've, I, um, aspirations in life were always to be a footballer. That was it. Grew up, uh, my dad played professional. And I actually, and the reason why I talk about it is I think in recruitment, it's really important to be hungry and, yeah. you know, be able to kind of deal with the, the rejections per se um, and going into any professional career uh, in the sporting industry is, you know, I think you need to have a little bit of that kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's that, competitive that, as well, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, for sure. So when I was finishing football at a tender age of 26, Sounds crazy. Mm. Um, I generally had no clue what I was going to go and what I was going to do, Sean. I had, I knew I was moving back from America after being there for nearly ten years. Um, I was speaking to friends. I was going to see my sister down in London, and I just wanted to see what another big city was like. So I just moved from Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, and and then I bumped into one of my one of my buddies. Uh, I don't mind giving him a shout out, Zachary White, and he was like. You know what? Why don't you kind of uh, look what I do on a day to day basis? Because uh, I was wondering how Zach is driving this beautiful new car. Um, and Zach wasn't necessarily very good at school, and he wasn't right. the right. he wasn't the um, the best boy in every capacity. Lovely boy, you know, warm hearted, and he was literally driving around the streets in London. And he was just speaking to candidates and clients in his car three hours during the day. And he was placing, um, he was doing about two or three big placements a year. So his office was in his car? I mean, literally he was, I mean, he had an office in London. Yeah. But for this day to show me around London, he was just, I think it was just show me how easy things were right. doing what he was doing. 
Now, obviously, it's not, and he was no. at a different stage. But I just remember him just cruising, and um, literally, he was like, yeah, that's this banker for uh, this company, and this is where he's going to go. I was like, well, geez, if he can do it, I need to get involved in some capacity. And then I ended up interviewing um, with a company called Vivid Resourcing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we didn't have a, didn't have the loveliest breakup, but uh, <laughs> um, we um, but you shouldn't burn bridges. But um, I interviewed with them, and the rest was history. Genuinely, I went in, and because I had a Scottish accent and I was from up north, they were an IT finance company, and they said yep. you're doing you're doing oil and gas, and I was like, but nobody's doing oil and gas in the business. We don't have any clients. And they're like. Yeah, just kind of do your thing. I effectively, Sean, kid you not, I was had nothing, no database, so no candidates, <clears throat> no job boards at the time, uh, absolutely nothing. Kind of intense two days training, maybe at best, and then within about seven months, I was a top biller at Vivid. How? I was doing, um. <clears throat> I was, I think, because I, everyone else in the in the in the, in the office was was kind of grads, right? Yeah, yeah. And they were probably you know twenty one years old. Here was me, probably twenty seven ish years old, and I didn't have a pot to piss in in, in London. Yeah, that was very similar to me when I got to London. Twenty seven, yeah, I mean, twenty sixth birthday, I moved to London with no money. Yeah. I had the same. I was the top biller within a year. And I'd done it, but I, I'm interested to know. I'd done recruitment for just under two years in Australia, though, so I knew the job. I didn't know the in the market, but I knew the job. So you're a complete rookie, but you are a bit older. So how does that... Definitely out? older. Yeah. Definitely older. I wasn't going in there to make friends, right? I'll be, mm -hmm. be very, very honest, right? Yeah. Uh, I'd left America, <clears throat> cars, four-bedroom house, um beautiful setup and everything and literally in london i went to go and stay with my sister i i <clears throat> she had a one bedroom flat at the time and i stayed on her sofa our two seater sofa and then sometimes on the floor and <clears throat> i don't think people realize like how it is difficult to move anywhere but london yeah. especially because yeah. just in travel alone and commuting and your lunches if you're not making your sandwiches um getting a suit i mean I, I brought nothing from the states because everything in the states is obviously very different my lifestyle over there was very different um and i don't know i just i used to just get my head down i was just in the office doing the basics basics from calling up candidates learning the market getting references well getting referrals calling the references just finding out what was going in the industry yep and then just making that one call that changed everything. Yeah. I called one client. Yeah. 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 And I remember the client very clearly just saying, you know, we're really struggling, struggling for mud engineers. And I was like, oh, I was like drilling fluids guys. Yeah. You get plenty of them. Right. Uh, I'd never heard of it. <laughs> and then next thing, you know, um, since over 11 years ago, uh, Baker Hughes became one of my biggest clients. Right. Now, to put it in perspective, Baker Hughes. Yeah, I mean, they, they turned over in the, at that point, they tens of billions and they were right. humongous company. Um, um, and we ended up, next thing you know, we were placing guys in Tanzania, 
Mozambique, Israel, Aberdeen, and the margins were astronomical, but the company weren't set up for it. The company at the time were, were really only doing UK work. Um, so then we had to start the compliance stuff. And then, you know, some of the some of the deals we were doing, some of the guys were a thousand bucks a day, but then they were working 30 days in a row. Um, and that was it. But in about 13 months, I think I was billing close to about my, my, my weekly margins was nearly 15,000 pounds. So it was pretty solid. Um, and at that point there, you know, it's like the recruitment industry, you start getting headhunted. Mm-hmm. We went to the, what's it called? The Café de Paris in, in London. Is that yep. the, where they do the recruitment awards? So we went to went there to do the recruitment awards and some companies start speaking to me and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know, I just felt like it vivid my fast track to management and growth and stuff. Albeit I was I was highly rewarded there and and they they really had a, they really wanted to keep me on board and build and grow with me. I don't know. I just didn't like the office dynamics. I just thought it was yeah. very, very young. Um, it was. I mean, it was like 21s and 22, but a brilliant platform. And it's funny because the grass is not always greener. You know, we spoke about that before, Sean. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's you never know. You never know when you're gonna when you're gonna leave, what it's gonna be like. And I end up getting headhunted to set up an oil and gas entity at Solar Group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And I can yep. see you've, you've moved. You've then had a number of jobs, haven't you? I don't, without going into the detail of each one. Yeah. If I look through your LinkedIn background as we're talking, you've done like, you've worked at Solar for, what was that? A year and... A couple year of years. A couple of years. And then you moved over to, did you start a business called Elite Energy Recruitment then? Yep. So you founded your own recruitment firm in 2015? Yep. And what happened with that? Because that only lasted a year. Probably last, yeah, I just, everything I did within the business just just didn't work. I think, I, I guess when you start your own recruitment company, you just, there's so many things you don't know. Mm-hmm. And you just, you just don't, um, you, there's so many things you don't plan for. The oil and gas industry took a tanking that year. We got into a big client who had their assets freezed in the Middle East. Yeah. Um, so we had, we had guys that were going out to, we were actually doing a lot of um, um, international visas and we're sorting it out and the process was pretty smooth, but then the client couldn't hire them all and it was an absolute nightmare. I also brought in a couple of people who were, um, let's just say slightly older and fine-tuned mm. in the recruitment industry and it just weren't working the way I was trained. Yeah. You know, mine, mine was the S3 kind of model. Yeah. Um, really hungry, on the phone, religiously. Um, and just, if you don't have work, you're calling candidates to find out what's going on in the market. These people in the office were very, uh, were reactive. And mm. I'm really honest, uh, I just despised it, everything yeah. about it. And at that point, there, I think maybe I'd maybe I get burnt out. Maybe I was six years into recruitment, not loving it. Um, and it can be quite, it can be like that. Um, but I think anyone who starts a business in any industry, there's yeah. so many things that you just don't know. So I knew when we were, when we started PS Capital, after taking a sabbatical, we, we moved to Barcelona. Uh, well, that's what I was going to say. So you, 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 you take the decision to shut that business down and then you do a load of different jobs all in like at well outside of, of, of recruitment, right? You're working in, is it golf events and all sorts for the next few years? 
under the one banner, under the one banner mailer pro. Right, but then so, when you what about things like Scandinavian capital markets and yeah, yeah, again that was that was under under mailer pro. So right. effectively, that was I wanted to get into kind of stock, you know, stock broking and stuff like that. And I wanted to learn about trading. Um, so for a for a three year period from 2016 to 2019, yeah, uh, that's what I went into. I, I went and you into, stayed out of recruitment completely. Yeah, so I wanted to kind of leverage my kind of what I'd done in the past. I knew I was good in front of people. I knew I could put, you know, people together. And um, I did a lot of traveling, so I'd go to Hong Kong. So we were involved in um, effectively trying to broker different deals. Um, And it was easier when you had bigger companies behind you. So Scandinavian being one of them. Um, And yeah, it was was, um, an interesting time per se, um, we moved to Barcelona. We had the we had my I had my second child over there. Uh, Kai was born in Barcelona. This is my daughter learned her fluent Spanish, not just off her mother, but uh, living over there. And I don't know. I just think it, I, I loved the kind of international feel. I'd lived and lived abroad most of my life. Yeah. The funny thing is, I left Glasgow in two thousand and three, and the first time I moved back two thousand nineteen, effectively full time. Yeah, that's similar yeah. to me. I left Manchester in two thousand and four. And then I moved back in 2020 and now I'm Sheffield down the road, but I left the North and thought I left Sheffield in 2010 and I genuinely thought I I didn't even know if I'd go back to visit. Like it was not on the radar, Australia, London, back to, back to Manchester in the pandemic and now in Sheffield. It's it's weird how you go on these big circles. Um, So you moved to Barcelona, you're doing non-recruitment things. What brings you back into the industry then in 2000? Because you joined Samuel Knight, didn't you? In, or, yeah. yeah. So you join a, an established recruitment firm in 2019. What brings you back? I think I just knew I had unfinished business. Right. I knew I did. I knew I knew I'd done so well and I knew I'd built up other companies. You know, at Solar Group, I mean, I took the company from 2014, 2016 to... Uh, an eight to 16 million turnover uh, within the kind of 20 months. And I just felt like I knew I had the capabilities of doing it myself. Um, Samuel Knight, uh, Steve Rawlinson, an incredible person. Um, I'd call my mentor within the industry. Yeah. <clears throat> he he gave me an opportunity. I think uh, he knew I'd been out of the industry. Yeah. I told him I still had some clients here and there. And... I guess just when, with going there for the first kind of two or three months, I got the kind of love for it again. And the the I, I just knew at that point there I wanted to set up by myself. But you'd and already done it before. Time. And you'd already done it before. So what did you, I guess, what lessons did you learn the first time of being a founder that, that you definitely were not going to repeat this time? Yeah, I, well... The funny thing was, Sean, you got to you got to time wise. We set it up the second of January, and three three months later, we were going into a lockdown. Yeah, so I was going to ask about that in a minute, but let let's just go back before we get into PAS yeah. because if we go, if we look at you started a business that lasted just over a year. You hired people that didn't. You closed that company, which is quite an emotional thing to shut an shut an entity down that was your was your own. What I guess going in going into Samuel Knight, you get the buzz back, and you think. I want to be, I'm going to do it again. What's it, what, a lot of people would suffer with fear and anxiety because of the way that they, they'd already, I suppose, failed or whatever. That business didn't work out. 
where was your head at and what were you learn what would you what were you taking from the, the first experience? Because that would put a lot of people off, I believe. Yeah, so with the I walked away from the business. The the company still stayed for for I don't know, six, nine months after Elite. Um when we set up when, when we set up PS Capital, because I when I, I formed up PAS Capital with two business partners. Yeah. And <sighs> When I knew I was setting it up, I knew that the biggest and most important thing was having hungry people beside me. Yeah. Um, that was really important. People who were on the same the same journey. So uh, one of my ex-business partners had his own recruitment company. So going into recruitment or going into a business with somebody else who's been there, done it, grown a business, um, I thought was going to be uh, ideal, right? But that person being down in London working on his business not helping growing my business um, started off very, very negatively again. Um, unfortunately, we uh, also had, I guess, if you uh, to put that into perspective, when you're setting up a business, you don't know what you're going to go into right from the get go. You don't know how many clients are going to come through the door, um, yeah. old clients, um, your, you know, how easy it's going to be to win, to win opportunities. Um, who's going to take you seriously because you're, you're you've literally just started the business, um, but it's like anything. I think if you've got that kind of positive outlook in life, and you're 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 a winner, and you've done six, you've been successful in the in the industry, you think you can achieve anything. But was there anything that you said? Look, this time I'm not doing that. Like I'm I'm definitely not going to make that mistake again. Yeah, I, I just knew when I was hiring people, I wanted people who were going to be hungry, right. who wanted it, who who were going to help me build something, who wanted to be a part of the journey, um, who had yeah. probably same core values as me. I'm people on the way up rather than on the way down in their career, I suppose. Yeah. Well, well, I, I just think people who people who are hungry, Sean, and and I think you just get that from meeting somebody. I think you can get somebody's personality straight. So it was understanding about them. I want to know their backgrounds. I want to know if they were what they were fighting for. You know, were they, um, you know, were they trying to better their life for their families? Were they uh, they didn't have any money and they were trying to make something? They were um, looking for a new career, but they'd maybe been in sales before, or maybe they'd been in sports, so they were a, a grad and they were looking for opportunities. Um, it was key when I was hiring people. From the get go, I just want to know people what people's drivers were. Mm. Um, maybe I didn't do that the first time. Maybe yeah. maybe my interviewing at the beginning wasn't wasn't solid. Um, um, and yeah, and I and, and I think when we started it, it wasn't even a case of I was going out there to hire a bunch of people. I needed to grow it by myself, and then have a platform to bring in other people. But it literally went out the window immediately. Yeah. So let's go to PAS then. And that is that your initials? Is that what it stands for? So it, so it's now PS Capital, Paul uh, Samoff. No, it's not Paul Samoff. But it was Paul, Eamon, and Steve, my two right. old business partners. Right. So we what's capital are, for? Because that sounds more like an investment bank than a recruitment firm. Yeah. So the reason why we did it is a couple of reasons. Um because we do contract recruitment, yeah, temporary recruitment, you do need the capital behind you, because 
Um, let's be honest, you 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 can. I mean, there's some contracts that we do that can can be five hundred thousand pounds a month outlaying. Yeah. Again, yeah. something you don't know until you, uh, you you you. I mean, you don't know these things when you start a recruitment company. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's just always taken care of by these other companies that you work for as a recruitment consultant. Um, so I think for that reason that I wanted that aspect, and I don't see myself as just a recruitment consultant. I think because we're involved in all the logistics and the payroll, we're more than the, the one-trick pony. So sorting out visas, uh, flights, um, as I've said, pay, the, the payroll side of things, you know, PAYE guys, etc. So for that reason, I wanted it to not say PES recruitment. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I also love to show uh, Axe, Axe Cap for billions. I don't know if you know it. So uh, I liked his name, Axe Cap, and Axe Capital, that was it. I wanted to quickly interrupt this episode to update you on what it is I actually do all day, apart from the RAG podcast, of course. Now, most of you know from the episodes that I am the founder of Hoxo, right? What you probably don't know is that we're currently working with over 250 recruitment agencies and over 4,000 of their recruiters around the world in every continent and helping these businesses brand themselves and the people in the company better. Now, we have built a creative team over the last six years that helps manage the creation of new agency brands. Obviously, the, a lot of the listeners in the RAG are starting their businesses uh, for the first time. But more often than not, we rebrand tired companies. So many businesses we work with are smashing it when it comes to revenue and performance, but their website and their online story was built back when they started for like 500 quid and it just does not represent who they are today. So we believe getting that right becomes your, building a brand becomes your anchor. Now, every good brand also needs traffic, right? You need people to see it, to come to the website, see you online, and that's where your people come in. So we work to either manage the personal brands of your team, or we can teach you how to build the brand yourselves. All of it is designed to give you consistency on LinkedIn that helps you stand out from the competition, show your personality, show and add value, and ultimately make more money. Now, I personally speak to potential new customers along with my business partner, Amma. So I would love to spend some time with you, my RAG listeners that I potentially don't even know yet. Any of you that are interested in building a brand that's fit for purpose in 2023 and beyond, come and speak to us. Just click the link in the show notes, fill in the form, and we will be in touch with you within 48 hours to book a 30 minutes video call ASAP. Right, back to the show. Right, okay. I do know, I've seen a bit of Billions, not seen it all, but I do, I've seen, I do like it, what I've seen. So tell us about the startup. You mentioned you got Eamon and Steve. Like, what's the what's the story there? What why did you get these guys involved? Who are they and how did it all come together? Okay. So I get a phone call um from a rec to rec company saying they're looking to back people. Um would you be interested? I said, you know what, I'm actually very, very content with Samuel Knight. I saying I, I like I love the setup, I'm happy here. But at the same time, I was in Newcastle. My family, my kids were up in Scotland, um, and the commute was was literally uh, not good. I was coming back. What is Glasgow to Newcastle? Probably about three and a half hours in total, maybe four. Um, there was no issues or anything with travel or trains. Then, yes, yeah, three and a half, four hours. But you're looking at... Five days a week? 
No. So what I was doing was I was leaving Sunday when the kids were going to bed at seven o'clock, right? Yeah. Get to Newcastle at 11 o'clock. And then I was leaving Friday morning or well, Friday after lunch. So I wasn't seeing the money through Thursday. Now, my kids, I spend every single day with them pretty much of my entire life. I mean, I say that it's everything evolves around them. Now I know that's for most people when you have kids yeah. or whatever. Um, so yeah, it was, it was painful. It was painful. Didn't enjoy it. Um, so I'd come back Friday and then have Saturday and Sunday. And then I was kind of going back to, to Newcastle. Yeah. So uh, I discussed this with Steve and Steve's like, look, just work in Glasgow. He's like, this is how good he was. He's like, work in Glasgow, come down once a week. Okay, come down once a month. I said, that wouldn't be fair for me to try and help grow the business as a business development position um, and manage a team if I was up Pre-co- here. Pre-COVID anyway. I think now you people would be a lot more open to it now. Absolutely. So this was pre-COVID, correct. But then at this point here, I'd already made my mind up. I'd made my mind up. I was going to start up again. Um, and I then resigned uh, but in a very, very good, very good uh, way, you, you know, uh, probably yeah. the best way you could with the business. But um, so, yeah, so so Amy picked up the phone and he had a really good chat. And he's like, when can I come meet you? He then got the train up, met me in Glasgow uh, and we moved really quickly. I mean, I remember flying down on Boxing Day uh, down to London. So is this, from the rec- rec- is this the Rector X contact, is it? Yeah, Rector yeah. X. We, Amy and I spoke, he came up to Glasgow, I then went down south, um, I mean the 26th, I didn't even drink on Christmas Day, so I could get the early flight to London on Boxing Day, missed all the football and all sorts, my favourite day of the year as well, yeah. and yeah, I just felt like at that point there, that meeting, it felt right, mm. Um Met with him, met with Steve. Now, Steve had made, you know, a very successful man in other businesses. And they, you know, we decided to go in as a three three ways. Steve had the, the capital behind him. And then Amy and I had the recruitment experience. Um, and that was it. One third each. And it sounded like a really good combination. And were they going to be, was Amy going to be like in the business with you then? Or was he? Yeah. Was he, yeah. So t- take us Take us through the start then. So you you launched the company January 2020. Paint yeah. the picture. What was it like? I was I was I was basically trying to use all my connections I'd had over the last ten years. With no, was, no restrictive no restrictive covenant from Samuel Knight or anything that you couldn't call. No, but I, I, it wasn't that. I wouldn't I wouldn't have done that to Steve anyway. I wouldn't have yeah. called any of their their clients or anything. Um, it's a principal thing and relationships. So I was from the last 10 years, I was just looking who I knew, who was there, who was here. Yeah. Um, and then we had a really big opportunity of a project in Iraq. And we were tendering um on the commercials, I think, but it was it was humongous. And I put all my eggs in one basket, if I'm really honest. And um, it was so big. Um that it was, uh, but we discussed this and we just knew that this was okay. We had a business plan for the year. And to be honest, not only because of COVID, but but that year was just a, a brutal year in every which way. Very, very difficult, especially with my recruitment experience or what I was used to was taking people internationally, Sean. Mm-hmm. That was my job. My job was getting expats 
into other countries. And it was impossible. I couldn't get I couldn't get anyone after after you know March. Nobody was traveling. Yeah. yeah. So our, our business model was, was totally scuppered. So then I had to try and find other other solutions and other opportunities. Um, but who was really hiring? You know, the, the medical industry was absolutely booming. So then I had no support in the slightest. I mean, if I'm really honest, I had no support the whole time I was running the business, right? Yeah. It was always me, which is fine. I knew I was going to be running the business, but that wasn't what the partnership was based on. Yeah. The partnership was based on um, working together collectively to grow a business. Um, and I had the the backing, financial backing, absolutely. Um, but everything else was, 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 very poor and 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 that's when the wheels starting to to kind of fall off pretty quickly how soon how soon did you realize that perhaps you'd gone into a partnership that wasn't quite how you'd imagined it yeah probably yeah probably within about the first six to nine months right. and not only that what, what what then happened was when the two business partners combined their shares um I was now a minority. Yeah. And they knew each other before, right? So they had a longer relationship. Not, but they, they didn't even know each other too well, but then right. they, but it grew arms and legs very quickly. Yeah. So yeah. how did the business go? So you go into COVID after three months. What, what did it even affect you that much? Cause you're so new, like you didn't have a massive amount to lose at that point. So what take us back to the end of February, early March, 2020, what, had you done any deals? Were you making money? What was it like at that point? Um, so just getting set up, um, yeah. and doing the temporary side of things, uh, we very little, very little. I think what happens is a lot of my clients, Sean, as well, are some of the biggest oil and gas or energy companies in the world. Mm -hmm. And I never realized that even using my relationships, the process they wanted to have all insurances in place. They wanted to have yeah. um, our story, our bank set up, and all these types of things, which which also took a bit of time, Sean. And, and nobody realizes this, but the, the yeah. compliance and KYC of just getting bank accounts set up, especially doing an industry like oil and gas. Um, oh, where are these guys working? Are they, are they going to be... Uh, you know, what happens is an oil spill. And that's literally the questions that you'd get asked. And mm. getting all these kind of uh, the the logistics set up for your business to then go out to win the business was, was, was painful. It was really, really painful. And then even more so because the paperwork, you remember, you know, doing things during COVID. I mean, some things just, it wasn't important anymore. You know, it wasn't important to get these things set up and because uh, there was other much more present, you know, kind of. Uh, so are you, are you already working, were you working from Glasgow from home or whatever anyway? Or what was the, before the pandemic hit? Yeah. So initially it was just a small kind of office, office yeah. space, um, keep the cost down. Um, and yeah, pretty much on my phone. Yeah. And then you Literally. went back, to, then you'd work from home. So again, it's not dramatic because it was so early, it wasn't dramatically affecting you in terms of you had to let a load of people go, but it would have slowed the growth down, I imagine. Did you did the oil and gas market stay quite consistent though? Because it's crucial. It's not something that I suppose you can't turn energy off because of a pandemic. You still need people to be driving that. So did you did you see that 
there was still business to be won out in in that market over that period? Yeah, no, no. It went. This is what happens in oil and gas. Um, it, the peaks and troughs and so forth. Right. Um, but there's times when it's absolutely manic, and then it and then it's so quiet. Obviously, barrels went to negative. Mm. Uh, it was it was horrific. Right. It was so bad. It was the worst I'd ever seen it since I don't know since 2010. Well, maybe yeah. I mean, since I'd been in the industry. So what are you uh, doing financially at this point? Are you being paid by the backer or have you got your own money? Like, how yeah, are well, you we, we put money in the business. We had yeah. put money in the business. Yeah. So, yes, it was kind of living off that, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but a, and a high burn rate, hmm. a really high burn rate. You know, hindsight, if things have been done, done differently, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, slowly but surely we picked up a couple pieces of business so to speak um trying to be clever so a couple of oil and gas companies were saying right look we can get people from indonesia into china and doing the visa processes so we started doing a, a little bit here and there uh, <clears throat> i also the mining side of the business was was still was still okay so that was me taking local Australians into other mining groups. Um, but but it was like in Western Australia only. Now, normally in Australia, you normally get what's called the, you know, the, the FIFO, FIFO, the fly and fly, fly out. So you get somebody, you know, going from up here, down south or whatever, um, uh, the west, east, whatever. And you can do that because of COVID. So we were we were we were trying to find people within a region, but then you've got Australian companies, you know, not not overly keen of dealing with British companies during COVID. We're a startup. You go in company's house. You've been in the business for six or nine months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and then Australian candidates thinking this is a scam, and you're like, oh god, just give me a little break, come on. And you're doing um, all of this. It's just you at this point. Me at this point, but I had a couple resourcing companies tender to kind of to kind of go in bed with me, you know. So I had reached out to, or a couple of companies had reached out to myself, and we've to this day still been working with one of the companies in Pakistan for nearly three years. They've been right. working with us, um, so we've got four guys over there. Um, they do a lot of the kind of back office, just formatting CVs, but a lot of the resourcing as well. Uh, Great setup, really good team over there. They're pretty much PS Capital, yeah. right? And but using them and myself, it worked. Yeah, you know, you're the face of it. it. You're the face of it, and they're doing a lot of the grunt work and and helping you deliver. So, because the back end of 2020 became quite busy again, like the world picked up pretty quick in sort of September, October, November. You're talking about nine months now when you said the you know the signs that perhaps the relationship with your partners isn't isn't going well. Take us to that period, like the end of Q, say Q4 2020. Where what's the business like at that point? I'd actually say probably Q3 is where right. it got kind of interesting because Q3 was everyone's looking for business, everyone's looking for work, right? Yeah. So like when I say business, everyone's looking for work and people are looking for new opportunities. That was staff. Right. Yeah. So I went in a massive hiring drive and I basically put out there, 
to try something different, try the American style. I was only going to pay commission only, but really high commission, starting at 25%. On recruiters, yeah? Correct. But people with no experience. Right. Bring them in, train them. And I said, we'll do one week's full-on training, food, drinks, everything provided by the by the company. And then with the view of hiring um, whoever got past in one, the first week, right? So the second week, I had 12 new faces in my brand new office. You wow. know, uh, an office that basically during COVID, I had taken the floorboards, put all the desks and the computers, painted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, we had a new team. We had a new team who were going out to, going after the energy space, renewables, oil and gas. We're bringing in people who'd been maybe offshore in the oil and gas industry. I brought in a couple uh People who'd been in sales companies, people with no experience in the slightest, but had something about them. Um, and it wasn't amazing, mm. but it started getting our name out there. You know, it's it's like anything. It's, uh, it's not easy starting a new industry. And these people were literally, uh, effectively, it was cold calling. And well, I I've- I did knocking on doors on a commission only agreement years ago. We did it for six, seven months and I was pretty good at it. But after a while, I just worked out that I could get paid for the hours and, and get, you know, well, I didn't go into sales. I went to teaching, but I always think anyone in, in, in the U S it's pretty standard to, to just be on commission only agreements. Right. Very. In the U, it's just not standard here. So that, how did that play out? Did, did you have to change it? Did people figure that out that, industry standard is they can go and get a 25% commission and get a salary? Um, I don't think at that point there, it was, I think it's still at that point there, not many recruitment companies were hiring non, you know, nobody yeah. with any experience, right? Yeah, not in not in the pandemic, no. Yeah, exactly. So, so when we were still now going into Q4, I think people had kind of bought into the business. Um, some people had made some commission, but the commission was really good because even if you're making a small deal, you're getting some really good take home more than you'd be in another position. Yeah. yeah. Um, so especially even at that point there, when I said, right, I'm going to now offer you salaries, but I'm going to reduce the commission because, well, otherwise you're going to absolutely yeah. implode my business. Uh, people were like, mm, maybe I'll stay a commission. But then some people just kind of went back into the old industries. And at that point there, you know, fast track another kind of maybe couple quarters ahead. At that point, there was a case of, well, government grants came out. So we were thinking, right, well, now we can do the grad scheme. What I was trained on effectively, make sure the guys are getting paid for, you know, the minimum 25 hours a week. Yeah. Um, with very good commission structures. Um, but with younger, hungrier people looking for opportunities. And from that grad scheme, I still have, I don't know, 10 or 11 of them still working with me. Right. Right. So that was a that was a good stroke, getting that getting that community in hungry and using that. What was it? The the government paid for the 25 hours or something, didn't they? Yeah, so they, I think they paid for 24 hours a week. So it, yeah. we would still pay everything on top. So yeah. we would, um, and it's not so much that goes into it, 
from mm. each end of CRM systems, all their international phones. Uh, I mean, our phones are unbelievable much it costs. You know, all your Outlook. And then you would do your kind of, you want to have your <clears throat> monthly whatever, whether it's bring the pizzas in or, or lunch clubs. Um, so you've got all the other overheads as well. But um, yeah, and, and we probably did in the in the in the scheme maybe sixteen or eighteen people. Yeah, some people even moved on to other parts of the business and different different. You know, with one going to kind of operational side of things, right. one going kind of more of a kind of content manager side of things. Um, and what's been so beautiful about it, if I'm really honest, is that we we had two people that were homeless effectively, and. One incredibly smart kid, young daughter at the time. Well, she's still young. She's now only three. Um, you know, he's and they've been with me for 18, 20 months now and and, and doing well and, and making good money and good commission. Gone to full-time employment with the business. Uh, pretty much everyone's full-time, business, full-time in the business now. Um, and, you know, I've got some 21-year-olds making some, some really substantial amounts of monies. Uh yeah. Like really substantial, um, so I think that aspect's been the most rewarding thing for sure, yeah. and and that's the beautiful side of of running a business is is people being a part of the journey, people really want to um, grow with the company, uh, you know, people speaking highly of the business and creating the brand with you and. Um, seeing this person who walked in the first week super scared of picking up a phone now has a client meeting um, with a company that turns over 10 plus billion and setting up an operations in Romania, Turkey, Angola. I mean, I love it. And I love that sort of things. But there's been a lot of blood, sweat and tears just to get to that stage, you know. I completely get it. Love it. What I'm keen on is exploring the, the those that founder relationship. So you mentioned six to nine months, it starts to come clear things are different. You've then skipped, say, six months to the point where these people are in and it's starting to turn around. What what's then going on at the at the board level that meant you you were starting to think of something different? Like talk us through that process. Okay. Um we were Okay, where we're probably a good bit to start. So, yeah, so probably call it just going into kind of year two. Mm-hmm. The so business. 2021. Yeah, 2021. Um, I could see that just there was no support in any way, shape, or form, right? So mm-hmm. me doing it all, but that wasn't the agreement. But that's fine. But I realized I didn't have a voice, and it made no yeah. difference. And this is actually what Steve said to me. He's like, well, Paul, you're a minority. You might yeah. be the biggest single shareholder. You're a minority. Yeah. So board level meetings became a mute point. Unless I said something that was so perfectly what they wanted to hear and stuff like that. It was right, Paul, you'll take costs reduction on your salaries and what you you know, because um we need to be hitting these targets and this, this, and this. And I was like, but I'm the one spending bringing all the business. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but you know, we want to start seeing a return in this. And I was like, okay, 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 fine understandable i get it a little bit emotional beginning because maybe i wasn't looking at it from their view but then when i started to look at it it's like okay i'll take a back seat i can get where they're coming from but then i started to see um costs 
being inflated or or fees coming out of a business where uh, management fees, what management fees am I paying? I, I run the business mm. uh, and they were significantly more than what I was taking. So I was like, well, what's going on here? You know, um, and I don't want to bad mouth people per se, uh, because again, I was given an opportunity and I was very grateful for the opportunity. And I've said that since the beginning without mm. them, um, I would not have been able to, you know, kickstart yeah. the business off. Um, so with those management fees, the inflation charges on kind of running a CRM system, uh, an uplift on phones and computers and stuff, I was like, what is going on here? This is this is not right. You know, this is not what was agreed. You know, this is not a partnership anymore. You're kind of, yes, I want to part the business, but you are taking out money and 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 this is just when alarm bells so we had a meeting and fast tracking on kind of next thing you know we're in 2022 um and the business at this point here had now grown maybe four times from the year before uh and obviously it was natural it was going to grow in because of covid mm. um and yeah Kind of January last January 2022, February 2022, I knew I wanted out. I knew I needed to find a way to get out of the business. And at the cost of I was prepared to walk away, which I didn't want to, because PS Capital had started winning some good clients, some really good clients, some good projects around the world. And we started getting a really good social media presence. I mean, our social media presence now can hit when we can hit quarter of a million views a week. Mm. Um, across kind of social media. And I guess for that, it was one of those things, Sean, it was like, what do you do at this stage? You don't have the capital. You, Carry on. You, what sort of revenue was the business turning over in at the end of 2021? I think we'd only maybe done seven, 800,000 at that point there. Still a lot more to walk away from than than nothing, right? So you know you built something up that's almost at seven figure revenue. Yeah, like but it was all and at that point there as well, Sean. Like literally, that was just all my business. Yeah, because they, they were still grads. Yeah, I was still training every single day, um, dealing with this problem, this and this, and you've got to be on the phone calls. So it was listening to everyone's calls, going over this, and 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 I think. But it was all myself. But I've got two business partners with with zero input, literally. You know, I have a Monday morning meeting if one of my business partners showed up, which was a rarity at best, you know. Um, and yeah, I was really kind of really kind of stuck at this point because the capital that they were wanting, they were valuing my business at a, a stupid stupid amount. They were valued my business. I think the first proposal was one point three million. Mm. Uh, I think in the February we yeah, I don't know what we'd made maybe we'd, maybe made profit that month of forty grand, and they were probably going like that. Okay, the multiples and this I was like that's just one month. What happens next month that is a is a negative, you know? Yeah. Um. So we found it one point three, and I said, okay, come, brilliant, come buy me out. I'll take I'll take half, right? And they're like, no, but you're the business, and I said, exactly, I'm the business. This is me. So I bring up Steve Ronson again and I spoke to him and he said, don't walk away. You've worked too hard to get to where you are. Try and come up with a solution. And we went back and forth for months, Sean. We, we literally did and 
And it was just, the figures just weren't adding up. It just wasn't possible. Um, it, it really, really wasn't. It was, but at the same time, whilst this is going on... You're building. Still, say that again? Still building it, aren't you? Oh, I'm still building it. And then you're kind of like, well, why am I building it if I'm going to walk away? Yeah. You've got all the staff to deal with. And you've got the people are, you know, people are not well. And then you've got mental health now, you know, is a, is a huge thing within businesses. Mm -hmm. Then you've got what's called kids. That yeah. staff think about. <laughs> so <laughs> you've got your kids. And then you've got summer. Now, mm -hmm. summer holidays, you're running a business. So what, what do your kids do? Yeah. You know? Um, and then these are things that you just, you would naturally just never probably think about it. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Um, and then the kids' mothers out working as well. So, so then you're going to bring them in the office some days. So there's, there's just so many things that, that nobody really thinks of. Um, yeah. But anyway, so we we kind of got to a position where I felt like we had agreement in place. But then it was the next kind of things. Then it was well, I've got an invoice facting facility in place already. Um, I need to get new partners. I need to get new IT partners, new phone partners, or maybe, or, or, or retain them, um, new invoice facting facilities. And then this is where the goofy thing was, I met with quite a few invoice facting facilities, and companies and banks, etc. And they were like, you know, if you pay these guys out, you're going to run into cash flow problems right from the get-go. Mm. So we had agreed a deal in principle. When was this? When are we talking? Like last summer, 2022? Yeah, it kind of looked like that. Yeah, kind yeah. of summer-wise, kind of maybe tail end of summer, we looked like we had a deal sorted. And then I had to pretty much pull out. And everyone was like, well, what the hell? And I was like, well, we're going to have cash flow problems. Hmm. Um, and then we kind of got to a point where... I'd spoken to likes of Steve and I'd spoken to other people and, and I called up other recruitment owners um, um, and some pretty big people within the industry who are involved in management buyouts. And people were saying to me, Paul, why don't we just back you to start again? I was like, oh my God, here we go again. Yeah, and then and then I'm then I would go in as like, no, because I'm going to say I want an, a, 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 an extreme amount of percentage because of what's happened in the past. Um and it just wasn't, I just couldn't find the right kind of where I was going to go. So I had decided that mentally it was okay for me to walk away. Here's a message from our newest sponsor in 2023, The Recruit Hub. Are you thinking about starting a recruiting business in the UK or the USA? If you've thought about it, if you've got any desire to start a recruiting business in the future or you might have just started up and you think, am I doing it right? Then you can download a startup blueprint and access key information. Information relating to funding. How much money do you actually need and what are your options? Knowing where you stand. You know, what is your non-compete and do you have any restrictions you really need to consider? Do you need a co-founder? What do you need to know about going alone, going with someone else? How to automate your way to billing faster? business planning basics, things like what is a business plan and how do you write one? Um, and then how do you come up with a name and build a brand? Now, if you are interested in taking this document, our newest sponsor are giving it away for free. They are called Recruit Hub and you can get it at recruit-hub.com forward slash 
startup-blueprint. The link to this message is in the show notes. So go away, get that free information and see if you're capable of starting a new business or the business you've just started, is it set up for success? Let me know. Yeah, but I'm thinking that. That's what's going through my mind as you're telling me this is genuinely what's like, what's your life like at this point outside of work? So we're, we're talking Q3, Q4, 2022. Like you say, summer holidays, I've only been a stepfather for 18 months, right? But I'm so much more empathetic now to be, to parents because before I'm living in my little flat in Manchester with my dog and it's half term and I'm not interested and wondering why clients are struggling to get on calls and things. And now I've got, to an eight and a nine-year-old that, uh, you know, this week we've lived in, so it's the end of half term week. We've been, we moved into our new house last Saturday with no kitchen connected, no worktop. Um, there's no like dog gate. We've got, we've got two dogs and we've got my mother-in-law's dogs. We have three dogs in the house. We've got builders still in, still painting. I'm like, my wife is so patient because I, I was literally pulling my hair out. Um, we've managed it and it's been, a, we've actually had a really fun week, but I've kept my office in this. This is my old house that I'm leaving in a couple of, like, this will be tomorrow. I'm actually going to take my desk to my new place. Um, but I've had this outlet to come to. And, you know, it's, it's a really difficult time. You've gone through a summer with all of that. Plus, you don't even know what you're doing with your business. And you, what's going on in your brain? How are you, how are you coping or how are you not coping at that point? Yeah, no, look, genuinely, I, um, I think this might go back to sports and rejections and stuff like that with football. I think if I hadn't had all that stuff and I'd lived, you know, I'd lived in the States since 2003 by myself. Mm. No family. Back then, you'd have to scratch card to get $10 to get 10 minutes to call your family, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't know, the, the, the WhatsApp videos and stuff. You didn't have any of that. So I've no. gone through that much, right, that this was fine, right, to an extent. Um, I think what's really important is I've got really strong family and friends. Mm. I think that there... And having people that I can discuss with, whether it's my stepfather, um, who's basically my father, mm. um, my um, some of my friends who, who run successful businesses, um, having you know one or two mentors is pivotal. And you know, again, I, this is probably the fifth time I mentioned Steve. Is that I could pick up the phone and he's running a business. It's turning over in the I don't know 20, 30 million. And he's like, yeah, I'll give you 10 minutes. He'll give me like an hour and a phone With, yeah. without even a, you know, uh, yeah. you know, whatever. He just, without a flood of an eyelid, he would do it. But um, so it was a couple of people I could speak to. And, but at the same time, you, you, you're, yeah, it's, it's wild. It's wild. It's, it's, it's not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. But then at the same time, I've got to think, right, Paul, shut up, right? Just, Get it done. You've come too far to to worry about this. Stop stressing. Breathe. Things will only get better. And I've always been like that. Maybe I wish I'd been like that in my football career maybe earlier on, but that's with age and all that kind of stuff. And nothing's worse than seeing your kids sick, right? So I've been through, I've seen the worst, right? Um, and I've got the love and support there. So do you know what? Dig deep, find a solution and try and make it work. And this was always in my head was solution. How can I make this work? Even with the, the days going into an office and you're like, you're, you're literally hitting your head 
on a wall. You're just like, oh my God, this is so painful. Lawyers, this. Then I'd have to go out the, the office for like a two hour lawyer call, this and that. And eventually I got to a point where I was, I was, I was honestly, I was fine leaving the business. I didn't want to, but I knew if I was mentally fine with yeah. it, I knew I had another job to go to. Uh, companies offered me to go work within their business. Um, so I had that. So I had that kind of, that safe haven. Hmm. So at this point here, effect, there was around about maybe no, was it November-ish. You see, yeah, November, November 2022. Yeah. I was it. I, I basically said, right, um, this is a take it or leave it. And I just put it, I said, I said, I'm going to give you guys 24 hours because I had always been a back foot. Yeah. You know, I'd always been a back foot. But I was like, now I'm at the point where I was like, this is it. I said, I've spoken to other companies. I will, I will happily leave the business and then you can fire everyone. You can get all your monies back from all the clients that owes our monies and stuff and all the kind of painful stuff. They don't know you. Good luck with it all. Uh, or you, what are you going to do? Walk away from your shares and everything? Just walk away? Yeah, yeah walk, I'm just literally going to walk away, right? Yeah. Uh, or we can do this in a way that everyone wins. I think this is a very, very good figure. Yeah. Um, we can get it done. We can get it done by the end of this year, as in the end of 2022. Um, and um, and that's it. And I, I think. Was that for them paying a one-off payment to go, or was it then staggering it so that your cash flow was protected? Well, it, yes. So it had to be that way. Yeah. It had to be staggered because because otherwise the, 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 it would have been impossible, right? Mm -hmm. So at this point here, I got the phone call the next day and was like, we reluctantly accept. Yeah. But just to put it into perspective, Sean, the kind of things that I had to deal with, like payroll. Payroll was getting done on like, Friday at like 5.30. So contractors calling me up saying I'm not being paid. And I'm like, yeah, but this is all done down south. I can't do anything. But this mm. was like religiously. They did think care about my business at the end, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was painful. And um, but we knew we were coming to an end. So I was like, you know, just deal with it. We're gonna be fine, we're gonna survive. Um, but it was really important getting my invoice facting facility together and getting um i'd met with three companies my old company still wanted the business but i wanted a clean breakaway mm -hmm. uh, and then that's when i that's when i signed the deal with synergy bank and synergy right. bank were were brilliant um dan and um and sarah were fantastic i mean you can you can look at my post they, they put a really nice post uh they an article in the finance times whatever it was i can't remember apologies um but they were brilliant. They were actually instrumental in it all, you know, between their lawyers and, you know, my ex-business partner's lawyers. Um, we were able to structure a deal, um, which we signed on the 24th of January. So right. in December, there was still a lot more that had to get done. So we're talking about this literally closed less than a month ago. Wow. And that gives you full ownership of the business. And a plan to, and 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 then you've got a scheme to pay them for what their their shares were. Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. It effectively, it gave me the hundred percent ownership. Um, but Sean, like I, I will sit in the sales floor with everyone. 
I go at my own office. Now we are building an office and boardroom for things like this. How different does it feel now though? Like, is it genuinely like a completely different, you, you know, the weights off your shoulders and it's like, there's still shitloads to do now, but at least it's yours to do. You're not reliant on other people. I mean, the, the business cost wise, I promise you, Sean, we've probably saved ourselves like a 20 grand a month with getting rid of them. Wow. How sad is that? I know, yeah. You're in partnership with people and you're saving yourself 20 grand a month after. Oh, quarter of a million quid a year, isn't it? <laughs> Liquid. Mm. Wild, 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 wild. So that alone is just like, ah, hello, uh, fantastic. But it's, 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 I, I feel my, my staff can feel it as well. They know it too because they don't have to deal with my, um, you know, listening to phone calls or whether I'm in the office or not on the office because I've got lawyers meetings or etc. And, um, and, and, um, just everything, it's everything's a lot smoother. We, we've, you know, now when you're doing a deal, it actually means something to the business and it's not going to go out of the business, you know, which is special, um, which shouldn't be special because it should be natural within a recruitment business, but it is everything special now. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it's a, beautiful... will you, what, what month in, in the future will you have paid them off completely and they're gone? Have you got a deadline, a date in when that's gone? Well, I mean, it, it kind of depends. Um, I I envision that to be done at some point this year. Yeah. Um, for me personally, um, all the shares are transferred over, right? Yeah. So that's irrelevant. But on the premise that you pay, you know, the, yeah. the rest's got to be paid. But at some point this year, I reckon probably third quarter. It'll be a nice feeling again, won't it? That'll be like closing the door on it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. That'll be a, a nice take. And it's good that I've effectively done it myself. You know, um, I didn't want to go out to my network, but I did. I spoke to some family and friends. I looked at kind of options and financing and stuff and banks. And, but I was like, I'll just do it from the profits from the business. Hmm. That's probably the cleanest way of doing it. It means I don't lose out shares. And other people, other recruitment owners were saying this to me, don't give up shares. They're like, don't do it, Paul. You know, you're just getting inflation on your price or your shares and stuff. Um, just don't do it. And 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 effectively, it's it's been a blessing in disguise. But again, Sean, what the biggest thing was, I had to be mentally prepared to walk away. Um, and that took me nearly three years to to uh, three years to build a business. Which last year we turned over, we grew, we tripled again in size. I think last year we did two point one million. The goal this year is to do between six and eight million. So, what does that what does that translate to in in gross profit? So that'll be your turnover with all your contracts. Yeah, revenue. so profit profit. I, I I my goal this year is to get close to a million. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and I and I think with them, I mean, could you imagine so mentally walking away from that would would it be would be painful, you know? Um, the beautiful thing is. Um, and I knew I had this as well. Is that I knew my clients would come back to me. Yeah. As if, even if I moved, I moved away. I knew the clients would come back. So I also had that as well because I would have probably gone to the likes of Samuel Knight or somebody, you know, something like that, and worked out a deal where I would have brought all the business to them. 
Sure, Edmund would have won. It sounds like you should have gone to my sponsor today, Recruit Hub, at the start. Because Edmund, what they yeah. do, they, they 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 will back you, but with either back office or finance. But they, they might take a very, very, very small stake. Maybe not. And it's a it's a percentage of revenue play for a period of time to take all your back office away and make sure you focus. Um, so they, um, you know, I think going into the right partnership, it can work for many people. I've got plenty of clients with Recruit Over and others that have gone, it's gone really well and it's suited them. It sounds like you chose the, the wrong people, but you, like, you know, these things happen. What advice would you give someone then? If anyone's out there and they're looking to start a firm and they're thinking about partnering either with a private investor, a friend, whatever, have you got any like obvious checkpoints or things that people should should think about before they go into bed with someone know your roles you really need to know your roles because if someone's coming in purely in a monetary side of thing you know they're going to have zero input but they're going to be on your ass because they want to know the figures right Mm. you're not good at figures right you need to have someone who is going to be good at figures. So you've got to know your roles uh, right from the get-go because you've got to know that if you're putting in a 12-hour day, five days a week, and you're okay with them putting six hours a week, fine. But you've got to know what, what, what you're going into, who you're going to business with. You've got to know everything about them. Not everything about them, but you've got to know a goddamn yeah. lot about them. Um, um you're not going to love everyone and like everyone you go you, you work with um, in any business. But can you be there on a day-to-day working alongside them on the same journey? It's so important. If you look at a football team in a dressing room, right, at the 30, 35 players, not a chance they're all having dinner together five days a week. Yeah. No right? The Brazilians will be with the Brazilians or the British will be with the British players or the South Americans, whatever, all different cultures. But how can you put them together? How can they work together? And I think that's so important. Um, so what I would say to anyone uh, who's listening, who's, who's, who's looking to set up is you have to kind of really have a um, not an aggressive business plan at the beginning. You've you got to think um, whatever your figures are for the year, at best quarter it right at best quarter it because you think that leaving a recruitment company where you've got huge clients that they're going to come with you they're not mm. they're not they, they might come later on but they're just not going to come with you right from the get-go um so you've got to put this into perspective um i would uh money wise you're gonna you're gonna burn money really quickly because you've got things to pay that you won't think about. You've also got so much time away from the phones and away from doing the business development because you've got to set up the entity. You've got to set up whether it's an office, your phones, your insurances, um, your logo, just any goofy thing from a website. You know, these things cost. They're not free. Yes, you can set up a Wix and stuff, but um, what company is going to buy into that? You know, if you're going after a huge tender, a huge company, they're like, yeah, well, you've just set up your own website, you know. So you've really got to have a a good, hard think about it. And and honestly, when I say this, Sean, if anyone is, I'm delighted to to speak to them totally free of charge. Mm -hmm. I'm delighted to speak to them. They can reach out to me on LinkedIn. 
uh, with absolute pledge, and I'll give him my time. I think you're not going to sell him. You're not going to try and sell him anything, are you? Absolutely nothing in the slightest. I think it's so important to give back. It's one of my main things to do. Um, I don't know why. I, don't, I, I, I wish more people would do it, but I will categorically give my time mm. for anyone who's looking to it because I've been through the aches and pains of it, and if I can help one person, is beautiful. You know, amazing. So my final question is: What does the future look like? What do you see as PAS Capital's future now that it's it's yours and it's clear and it's you know the, the dust is settling and it's like wow we've got the new horizon. What does it look like? So we're humming and hawing between PS Capital and PAS Capital. Yeah, that's one thing. No, but as a business, we we're going into other markets. Uh, I'm going to launch PS Capital Sports. Um, so we recently sponsored a, a football game uh, with Darvel and Falkirk. We're about to sponsor a boxer. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to mention the name just now, but it's really exciting. Um, we've we've signed some really humongous oil and gas clients. We've got some really big projects going on in Australia. So the view is to set up operations in other countries. So um, it looks like effectively we will get an, an operations in in the States, um, Australia. I would love to, and this is a kind of nostalgia thing, I'd like to get one in Barcelona, but that might be a little bit away. Hmm. Uh, like I said, the growth for this year, um, I'd like to get us up to about 25, 30 people with a turnover, six, seven million with a million pound growth. That's my target. I'd love to get that what, my growth, one million pound profit. I'd really like hmm. to hit that. That's a kind of really good milestone for a business. Um, and then from there is just to find a way to 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 continue the growth. Um, I'd like to see some of my junior people, my 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 grads, become managers. You know, some of these people are going into their second year. Some of them are starting to kind of oversee one or two people. Um, that'd be a kind of nice, kind of like a personal milestone, just kind of seeing their growth and then seeing them kind of pass on the the, the baton, so to speak. Um, I want to be the biggest recruitment company in, in, in Glasgow, if not Scotland. Now, that's not like a subsection of a NES or a Furcroft, one of the big boys. Um, I believe after this year, if we were to hit that kind of 7 million, I think we'd be probably one of the biggest um, biggest recruitment companies, especially within the first five years. Um, and then when accolades, and the accolades are best office to work in, so to, you know, et cetera. Those are things that, they're nice. It just means yeah. that you're doing you're doing the right things. And then lastly, I'd say just giving back to community. It's something that's really kind of, uh, Glasgow's a big place, right? So we are definitely trying to get involved um, um, in in, way, in more ways than just, oh, we're a recruitment company. Um and whether that's charities, which we've done a little bit recently, you shouldn't talk about charity if you give charity. But um, it's definitely things that we want to get involved in. I think it's nice to. And do you um, do you have aspirations of a sale and exit in the future? Is that what you're building for? Are you building it just to, to to run it for yourself forever? What's your if you've got a goal goal long term? I think a lot of people want to have an exit plan. Hmm. Um, and look, if there was an opportunity um, there, then, you know, something I would look at, but it's not even in my mind, not yeah. in my mind just now. Um, <clears throat> I really want to hit the sports industry huge. I I want to do executive search for the likes of football teams. 
So I've been in communication with with quite a few football teams already. Um, again, I don't want to mention some of them, but I do. I want to play some really you know high end exec personnel within the in the industry, and that's something that's really big to me because I love my sports. Yeah. I love my football. So I think going involved, getting involved in the the boxing and football are big things for myself. I put them my um, two sports as well. The two that I'd be if I was going to be interested in any sport, it's them two. So. Yeah, but the, the boxing side of things, I don't really know what I can do in the kind of provi- providing people, so to speak. Um, but we can definitely back some people and help them kind of uh, fast track their mm. careers. Um, yeah. So the one that we're going to announce very soon is it's huge. It's it's so big. Um, right. Right. Which, yeah, lovely. And then, but the sports side of things and the football, again, like I said, if I, I think... I would love to have been an agent, a sports agent, a football yeah, agent. Yeah. Yeah. So I think maybe doing the executive search side of things within the footballing world, and we're putting some kind of head people within the these big teams, would give me a ladder and a platform to then go into agency. So wow. I think if PS Capital could do that, that'd be pretty cool. But I think it'd be called probably PS Capital Sports or something. I've already yeah. got the logo. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Paul, we've run out of time, but... I want to say thanks for being so um, so open and vulnerable and honest in this session. I know this has been a really difficult thing for you to overcome, and you know I'm really I'm proud of you. I think it's a brilliant thing what you've done. I know the industry will be. Um, you know, investors are incredible, and they get they, they can they can offer such a great value, but it doesn't always work out. And I think this shows about the honesty of the industry. It's not about everyone fucking selling off into the sunset and being billionaires. It's about the highs and the lows and you've you've really 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 clearly articulated some of the challenges that you faced and and for that i'm grateful i know people will be and as we said i hope people reach out to you for advice and i'm i'm definitely going to look at getting you back on in the future and seeing if if and what has been achieved through the the new you know phoenix arise phoenix rising uh, of the business um so paul thanks so much keep in touch and and good luck with everything Sean, I appreciate you thoroughly. I genuinely do. Thank you for having me on. And I look forward to to grabbing a beer and some lunch in the future. Thank you, as always, for listening to today's show. I truly, truly hope that you got value from it. That's the only reason I take time every week is to ensure that my audience, future and existing recruitment owners are learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. Today's episode was brought to you by Hoxo Media. I am the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media, and we are the world's leading content marketing and personal branding agency for recruitment businesses specifically. So we are working with over 200 agencies and 2,000 recruiters right now, both managing the brands, producing content, building written video podcast content for niche recruitment agencies all over the world, as well as coaching at a desk level individual recruiters in your businesses how to be better on LinkedIn. That's how to brand themselves. That's how to produce content. That's how to use the opportunity on LinkedIn to get traffic to their profiles and turn that into business. We're coaching people all over the world every single day. If any of that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean Anderson, a personal message on LinkedIn. I would love to talk to you. I'll see you soon.